Hello, and welcome to the 14th episode of Studies in Shadow. I am your host, Jack Rogers, and as always, I am joined by my... Insert compliment, what should I say? I, I was going to say something, but that would be inappropriate. I was going to say, the mu- The like, inappropriate no, Noah Bazoo. I'm not. I promise. Wow, that's a really big spike in loudness in nice. our podcast. No, I am the... What does Mushu say? I'm You're talking that. about the dragon from Mulan? Yeah, dude. When he first meets Mulan, I'm a he's dragon. like, I am the unstoppable, the uncomprehendable, the indestructible Mushu. He walks out. It's been years since I've even seen that movie. stomped so. on by a horse. Nice. It's been years since I've seen that movie, so I can't quote anything. My favorite Disney movie. Um, other also, than, like, Girl We're Fighting For. That's I, it. I also say that because in one of my classes we had a poll, and it was like, what two, what two Disney characters would so-and-so be, so-and-so be, so-and-so be? We all did it. Uh, my, Mine was Merida and, and uh, Hades. I can... I can see the Hades definitely. Ah! Just like cool. how you're I'm like cool. you're cool. so like calm sometimes and you just snap. Do just some video games. Did I tell you what I was? I think I did. They were like Flynn Rider because he's so suave, but nice. Mushu because he's like totally nuts. And I was like, <laughs> they're like, he can be really suave, but then he can totally get into a situation where he's like, I can take it. And yeah. then he gets stomped on by a horse. So I'm like, you watched my weekend, didn't you? <laughs> anyway. We're back. Despite the beginning of this episode, we are not talking about Disney or China um, oh. because <laughs> this episode is all about the Bermuda Triangle. Dun, dun, dun. You've probably heard the name before. I'll give you the, the geolo... Geographical? Geographical. I was going to say geological. The Uh geographical location of the Bermuda Triangle. It starts, well, it doesn't start, but there is a point at the very tip, very southern tip of Florida. It goes to Bermuda and then to Puerto Rico. Um, But depending on who you ask, the actual size of the Bermuda Triangle changes. Uh, So the estimated ranges are anywhere between 500,000 to 1,510,000 1,510,000 square miles or 1.3 kilometers uh, square cl- kilometers squared. Yes. Square kilometers. Yes. To 3.9 kilometer, 3.9 million kilometers squared. It's a pretty big difference. So it looks like, I mean, you look at pictures online and you're like, how can people not measure this? But people uh, estimate the different points to be in varying places. So that's where all the com- confusion comes from. Different points meaning... Like, like, so you look at a map, and right, it has the triangle. Yeah, yeah. But if you looked at a map with all the different triangles that people estimate... Oh, like different points in the triangle? Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's, ways. there's okay. well, It's not like turning so much, but just kind of the angles. And there's, yeah, yeah, there's, yeah. It's like a really big myriad of s- points in this one concentrated area for each point. So huh. it could be a number... Of different sizes. But matter of fact, it's in this certain spot. It's in this region. Go to the middle of the triangle and you're definitely in the triangle. <laughs> I think that's most things. Go to the middle of this and you're in it. I probably, this is probably... That's a, your Noah nugget of wisdom right there. No. Guys, when you're in the middle of something, you're in it. That's actually really good advice, though. <laughs> <laughs> Eye of the hurricane, you're in it. Uh, this is probably a duh thing, but it's called the Devil's Triangle. I thought that was really cool. Isn't that also... It, that's just a nickname, right? Yeah, it's oh, a okay. nickname. Okay, just, just checking. But I was like, when did it come up with that? And it was like... Actually, kind of recently. I say recently, like 2001, maybe earlier. My brother wasn't even born yet. Yeah, but uh, neither was mine. <laughs> but they call it that and because of what we'll talk about and because of what the majority of people know. 
about the Merbuda Triangle that it's like this really woo, mystical place. Yes, and, the Merbuda Triangle. Yes, the Merbuda Bangle. I mean, um, <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, Devil's Triangle, and you can figure out why we call it that yourself, and it's not a really big stretch to see why because it's so messed up. There's lots of fun stuff that happens there. So I went pretty chronologically in my research. Did you say fun stuff? I'm just kidding. Did I? Yeah, you said fun stuff, and I was like, um. Dude, I just say that about everything. Man. <laughs> oh, man, we're going to die. I, I was, I met a woman <laughs> once, and, like, she lost the tip of her finger in a car accident. I was like, ah, oh, fun stuff. And everybody looked at me, and I was like, ah, never mind. It's sad. I'm sorry. It's just something I say. <laughs> it's sad. It's sad. That's what But anyway, <laughs> kind of the earliest uh, recorded event or recorded account of something happening in the area of the Bermuda Triangle is actually with Columbus, Christopher Columbus. Um, Who you know, sailed the ocean blue in, in 1492. You know, I was in I was in a history class once, and so I was like, well, how does that song go? Columbus sailed the ocean blue in 1982. <laughs> <laughs> and I looked at her, and I was like, brown isn't, your real, brown isn't your real hair color, is it? She's like, how'd you know? I was like, no reason. <laughs> Yes. But that was really funny. I was like, yes, <laughs> this country was founded very shortly after 1982. <laughs> Things happened ago. real fast. <laughs> like, <laughs> I can't even make so any Columbus. jokes about that. <laughs> so Columbus. So I got this quote from history.com. Uh, I based a little bit of my research from history.com, and then if something looked really interesting, I would go somewhere else to confirm it Ditto. or see that it was, you know, Multiple sources. If there were multiple sources. I can speak. I'm good. You got this. Multiple sources. Okay, so here's what they say. Quote, When Christopher Columbus sailed through the area on his first voyage to the New World, he reported that a great flame or fire, probably a meteor, crashed into the sea one night and a strange light appeared in the distance a few weeks later. Close quote. You can find that at history.com. So. Whoa. That's wild. It's not a super huge... You didn't see that when you looked up? No, I did, but I just had like a thought about the video you sent me today about the ship and the fact that they talked about large balls of fire as well. Oh, Orang Madan? Yeah. And I was just thinking of the parallel. Foreshadowing to next week? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But no, just like talking about it, like it's in the same, like, same ocean, Atlantic, you know, the Atlantic. Yes. And so it talks about in that sailors in history talk about seeing large balls that look like balls of fire that fall into the sea. And there's there's reasons for that. Yeah. There's scientific kind of explanations yeah, for whether that. Whether it's meteors or something else, it's just interesting how Columbus talks about it. Massive too. sea farts. Yeah, I mean... I'm not super wrong. We'll go into that later. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, that was based on a real piece of That's information I found. Jack um, Jeopardy Jubilee right now, in case you need to know. Is know. that your version of a nugget of knowledge? Yeah. All right, moving on. <laughs> okay. Um, what, okay, so what's the earliest point that you found things happening? Because if it's later than Shakespeare, I'll just keep going. Oh, no. Shakespeare was like... the Shakespeare talks about the Tempest. That's like yeah. one of the biggest things about it. Yeah. That's like where I went back to at that point. I was like, okay, okay. before Yeah, that's where thing, I start too. Things were kind of sketchy. Okay, so <laughs> you, you talk about the Tempest then. I mean... Did you write anything down? I did. I just gotta find out. I mean, William Shakespeare's play of the Tempest is just like a lot of people. You can read it and be like, wow, this is a really awesome play. Or you can look at it and be like, wow, this sounds like a real life story of the Bermuda shipwreck. Well, do you, did you, 
Did you see yes. the actual event? Yeah. Did you write down the details? Not all of them. I wrote I, them down. I figured you did. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> thank you. Because you uh, told me what you did. I was like, okay, I got this. Nice. Okay, so here's the deal that happened. Uh, before Shakespeare wrote the play, because he's not a fortune teller, um, mm. nine ships planned to sail from England to my beautiful last home state of Virginia. Uh, but a massive storm in what is now labeled... The bu- blah, 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 blah. I can speak. Gosh dang it. The Bermuda Triangle. So a massive storm hit in the area of the B- Bermuda Triangle. Oh, man. Yes. Bermuda Triangle. One of the ships, the, it's called the Sea Adventure, got lost from the rest of the fleet and then shipwrecked in Bermuda. Uh, and then when word reached England, it is said that Shakespeare gained the inspiration to write The Tempest. And then I actually looked at the synopsis of The Tempest at PlayShakespeare.com. It says, a ship carrying Alonzo, king of Naples, his son Ferdinand, Antonio, and other nobles is wrecked in a storm created by the spirit Ariel under the magic art of Prospero. Prospero's daughter, Miranda, afraid for the voyagers, is told that they are safe. And I said, I have no idea what any of that meant other than the shipwreck. So that's cool. And then (laughs) it, it gained more popularity more notoriety and infamy in um, the early 20th, 20th century. century. Yeah, This is kind of a random thought going back. Do you know how many things have gone missing? Quote, unquote. A lot. 50 ships and 20 airplanes. Nice. It doesn't sound like that much when you put it that way, but it's actually a lot of people. Think of all the people that were on those yeah, ships. Yeah, exactly. Those Huge people cruise liners. wives and children. So... You know, reports, this is like one of the things I found about, I'm sure you've seen this too, Mm -hmm. reports of like unexplained occurrences started happening in like the mid, there's like a lot of speculation, the mid 19th century. Um, I was going to say like 1850s is where you see a lot of stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's same, same thing, yeah. Um, Some ships they would find, talk about the Bermuda Triangle, uh, you'd find them and they'd be completely abandoned for no reason. Um, there'd be other ships that didn't have any distress signal signal to them, even though like they had full capabilities to do so. Um, and there were just some ships that were just never heard from again. Aircraft have been reported to vanish and rescue missions like (laughs) went after them. And then also, yeah, they won't have to say, I was like, how do I phrase this nicely? They got lost too. And they didn't show back up. And then there's never any wreckage found. And yeah. there's, there's, they do find, they have found sunken ships in that portion of like the, of the, of the sea. But at the same time, if you go anywhere in the ocean and like n- relatively close to this, to the, to the, uh, to continents, to land, yeah. you're going to find sunken ships, whether it's from oh, yeah. war or other things. Yeah, I actually happens. have some pretty cool, cause in, at the certain points there's very concentrated, uh, natural phenomena. Yeah. Or. Yeah, natural phenomena. Yeah, that sounds it. weird to say. Natural phenomena. It's just weird because, um, like, for all the things they talk about, this is just you know, my last thing I'll say about this. It's just weird because, like, of all the things they say about, they have never found an airplane wreckage within, I forget how many hundreds of miles they said around the triangle. They never found anything like that. And for all the ships that have sunk, they've only found three or four that aren't the ships that sunk, like older, older ships. From, Interesting. Like, way back. So Viking the actual ships. things never came back. So. One of the biggest things that happened in um, the Bermuda Triangle was in March of 1918. Did you look at this one? The USS Cyclops? Yes. Okay. So the USS Cyclops was a cargo ship that was over 500 feet long and had more than 300 men on board. 
uh, it went missing. It supposedly sank. They were car- I don't know why this fact is important. They were carrying 10,000 tons, tons of manganese. Do you know what manganese is? Metal. No. I'm just kidding. No. That's magnesium. Yeah, I know, I know. It's just a nutritious mineral. Yeah. It's found in like, like you know, Isn't nuts, like nuts and, and seeds. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know why they were carrying so much. But anyway. People got to eat. The weird thing is, nobody ever received an SOS. It, oh, one just didn't go out. Oh. Now, that could be due to, you know, electrical fields and whatnot. But seriously, a massive ship like that doesn't have the capability to communicate. With being staffed by more than 300 people. I mean. Someone's going to get to the button, you hope. I'm not talking about that. I'm just saying, like, if somebody did press the button, which I would think that they would. They unless would. they all blew yeah. up at once. Yeah. Um, foreshadowing. Shouldn't the... <laughs> that's for next week. Yeah, exactly. Shouldn't I was like the, uh, foreshadowing. <laughs> shouldn't the, you know, signal be strong enough to get out of that? I mean, it's 1918. Like this, but it's just radio technology. I know, but well, even I mean, still, radio technology did improve in like did, World War say. II. Like this is back. This is what this is like. Uh, Morse code in this time. I don't know. Or is it even just no. like a signal? Do they not have Morse code yet? It's it's World War One. I. I don't know when they invented Morse code. That's not way before I that, I think. So did they not have? Morse no, code? No, wait. One of so they did use Morse code in war um, to communicate. I, yeah. One of the president's wife, uh, a wife of a president, actually got like really good at Morse code during World War II. I think it was like Eisenhower's wife or something. Mm-hmm. But I still, think, yeah, like it's crazy. That but anyway, what I was gonna say is Morse code is like one of those things that like it's really reliable in the sense that there's not too many things that like because it's a, on a basic frequency. There's not much that kind of inhibits it. Like nowadays you have, like, you know, cell phones and all this kind of like stuff. And it's so powerful, but you see how quickly Wi-Fi can be disturbed by the smallest thing. It's because the frequency is not, you know, that, that crazy powerful. Morse code is very precise, very, Direct. very loud. Yeah. <laughs> and so there's not many things that can that was keep SOS, it from. I think. Yeah. So it's three long, three short. Three long. Oh, I did three short. Three <laughs> You're good. But there's not many things that can keep it from going out. Long distances is pretty potent. Interesting as a so- source. Potent. So anyway, that, I mean, in that time, you know, I guarantee they had as they had Morse mm. code and other things. Was kind of like what happened at that point. Yeah. So the USS Cyclops actually had two sister ships. Oh. Uh, you know, kind of the same model, I guess. Cyclops. Apparently, um, they both went missing in 1941. Okay, now we are talking about. Really, really, really good, good yeah. radio yeah. technology that hasn't changed much in like 75 years. Um, and they were going the same way. Mm-mm. And they just, poof, gone. Fun stuff, right? Bye-bye. Like the city of Enoch, just gone. Yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, I'll let you tell the story of the next one because it's the probably one of the most notorious ones. Flight 19 in 1945. Did you look that one up? I did. You didn't write anything down about it? I wrote some very basic things, but I'll let you get... Do you know what President... Okay, so President Woodrow Wilson was the one who was taught... He was the president at the time when the Cyclops went down. Yeah. Do you know what he said in an address about it? Uh, I read it, but I didn't write it down. He said, only God and the sea know what happened to the great ship, which is kind of like, you know, deep, but at the same time, it's like, huh, like the ocean. (laughs) (laughs) But it's also kind of like crazy that he just... You know, it's one of those things where it's like kind of foreboding and kind of like creepy. He's just like, we don't know. Like, it's just gone. Yeah. 
So it's just gone. That's kind of intense. Why don't you start with the story? Okay. Since you have so, you have way more detail and I have a little bit less. I have more of like a scattered variety of things, and you seem to have, like you said, more of a chronological thing. So go for it. I went historical in this business. Anywho, so <laughs> December 1945. Flight 19 was flying. Uh, they were either flying out of Fort Lauderdale. No, they were flying to Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Uh, so the southern tip of Florida. Dun, dun, dun. Um, it, Got him. it was 1945, and it was five Navy bombers, and there were 14 men total. And this was in December, and it was apparently a really, really sunny, nice day. Like, pretty clear. Mm-hmm. Um, and they got lost. And their equipment kept malfunctioning. And their visibility all of a sudden was like nothing. And later that day, a rescue plane was sent out, along with 13 men inside, and it also went missing. Rip. Do you want to know what the official Navy report states? Drunk driving. D- <laughs> I'm sorry. Excuse me. It's drunk <laughs> flying, sir. They um, that yet. <laughs> so they said that it was, quote, as if they had flown to Mars. Word. Yeah. So <laughs> I think I saw this quote where the people on Flight 19 just at first they were like, we have no idea where we're going. We can't see. Um, the ocean looks different. That kind of weird freaking stuff. Yeah. Um, and it was just gone. And then the rescue plane, like just like with the ships. Went after, gone. Thanos snap. <laughs> so one of the things that I found about that as well is this is just one of those little tidbits that's kind of interesting. Obviously, at this point, they have pretty good technology. Right? Mm-hmm. Duh. Mm-hmm. And so you can, I mean, just kind of like it is now, you can send signals to and from the plane from air traffic control or from the base and vice versa. And the the signals that went from the plane to like the flight control mm. from Florida were really unique in the sense that, you know, it's sort of like a domino effect. When one thing breaks on a plane, something else, like if let's say that, you know, the rudder like breaks. like a Christmas tree light. Yeah. When one thing breaks, it's very, very systematic what's going to happen next. So it's kind of helpful to see this is messing up, which helps pilots be like, okay, if this is going to fail soon, we have to be able prepared to do this because either step one or step two is going to ruin it or by step three, we're totally toast. It's really helpful with that. I've actually that's actually really interesting. I'm gonna look more into that. But just how it breaks down systematically, mm-hmm. and uh, it didn't do that. And there's not many. I looked this up because it was really interesting. Because I was like, okay, well, how often does that happen? It doesn't happen very often that it happens in the reverse order. It almost never happens like that. Oh, and it did. Yeah. The signal came back. I'm not exactly sure what it would say on the panel, but it talks about how a light lit up, and one of the flight control operators says, "Well, that just doesn't. That that just must be not make sense. It doesn't. It's a malfunction," and. They were like radioed in. They were just like, it's a function. All right. Yeah. They were just like, they were like, you know, flight 19, you know, come in here. We're going to talk about this. And they're just like, please, we can't see. Please, please look at the, like the left. It basically says they asked them to look at the module and tell them what was on it. And mm-hmm. it was like the light on this is, is on. And they were like, do you have anything that would recognize that that's actually true? And they were like, X, Y, Z, this is happening. And then another thing happened. And basically the plane like started, like it went instead of from like the rotors to the engine, to like the the navigation, it went from navigation to rotors to engine, or hmm. engine to rotors. And you know they just flew until they ran out of out of gasoline. Yeah, but it's just weird because like it didn't happen randomly; it happened in complete order, opposite in of the what wrong it way. Always in yeah. the unorthodox way. I yeah, say. and I once again I looked it up how many times it happens, and it, a lot of sources say that it happened less than twenty times in like history of like recorded flights, in terms of it breaking down that way. Hmm. So I was like. 
that's really cool. But it's also kind of like, oh, poor guys. <laughs> like, sorry about that, Chief. That's rough. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's all the notes I have on that. You know, it was really hard to find an official transcript. About uh, the... An official transcript of what the communication was. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like a dialogue. Yeah. And I found something, and I was like, oh, I'm going to totally like read this. But it was from a book. Yeah. I was like, gosh, dang it. The that would have been cool. The stuff I found was all like secondhand I, quotes, but they were like very, very stern about the fact that it happened this way. And I was like, okay. <laughs> cool. Yeah. But we pretty much just told this that exact same thing. Yeah, exactly. So. Secondhand sources. Yeah, and then below that in my notes, I just put the Wikipedia page. We'll put a, let's put a link in that in the in our website. Studiesinshadow.com. Uh, so they can take a look at that as well. We'll Buy also the merch. link the. Uh, I'm just kidding. We don't have merch yet. Um, <laughs> Four also, we'll put the history.com yeah, link. Of course, of course. Um, so that's where you know the most infamous things stop uh, in my notes, and then it goes on to the many theories of the Bermuda Triangle. So before I go on to that, do you have? I really want to talk about the theories. <laughs> do you have any other like stories though in your notes? Um. Because I want to cover all of that before we go to theories. Yeah, I know. There were just like a couple like other things where it just talked about um, – oh, what was the ship called? There wasn't really that big of a deal with the ship. I mean – It only disappeared. Yeah. Well, basically <laughs> the ship – I can't remember what it was called. It was it was the HMS, so it's Her Majesty's ship, so it's from the UK. Uh-huh. And this was back in 1956, it says. Yeah, 1956. And this ship of, like, no consequence, it was just, like, a, a cargo freighter just, like, transferring stuff. Yeah. Disappeared. And then people Pirates. saw it in the Atlantic. Or on the Atlantic, in the Pacific, a week later. Which would have been really, really impossible. Hard. Because you couldn't, even with that speed of that ship, it couldn't have gotten to the Pacific in any direction in a week. Around. And it was just, like, I think... People saw it in Central America. They talked about how, like, there was the ship off the coast, and then they go, look, nothing's there. So it's a ghost ship. Well, it was there, but there's nobody on it, so yeah. But it was just interesting <gasps> how they were like, this was, it was supposed to go from whether it was the UK to America or the UK to South America, Brazil, whatever it was, and it didn't show up, and then a week later, it's in the Pacific, which if you look at a map, transferring from... The Atlantic to the Pacific is a very hard thing to go around. Either. Unless the Earth is flat, they just jumped it. Hey, don't flat, look at me like that. Flat Earthers are a legit thing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Millions of families suffer every year. <laughs> More like six. <laughs> flat Earth syndrome. Anyway, but no, that was just kind of crazy to me because there's, and this is the big thing that like really bugged me is there's so many books and stories and people telling their own things and renditions of like, oh, this happened. You know, people just make up their own stories. And it was so tough to find actual credible information yeah. about that. But no, I'm good to talk about the some of the theories because I'm really excited to talk about that because okay. I'm totally down to break it down. Do it. Let's do it. Okay. I was, I was trying to see where Amelia Earhart crashed and that was in the Pacific, so wrong ocean. Oh. That would have been... You know, interesting to talk about. So I wrote all of the um, the supernatural theories first, and I didn't even really give explanations for them. Because oh, word! 
I got this. I got some realistic ones. You go first. No, I have realistic ones too. And oh. that's all. That's the most of the ones that I have explanations You're on. You're lame. All right. Let me lame. Some, let me do some realistic Excuse ones. Excuse me, sir. You do some supernatural ones because I have just realistic ones because I thought those were more Are you going to list them off or talk about them? Let's talk gonna... about them and list them off. Yeah. Okay, because it's only going to take me like two seconds to read off all those supernatural Boy, ones. let's do it. Okay. Show me one. So, I want to know. All right. So. I mean, besides what I already know. One, aliens. Yeah. Because of course. Dude. We can't build pyramids. People can't make shapes that, that way. Humans can't what? lift rocks. What? I'm just kidding. That's what people sound like when they're like, the aliens built the pyramids. It's not because the Egyptians had slave labor. I mean, there are some pretty interesting no, like statistics yeah. with the pyramid, like yeah. the like the exact measurements and whatnot. Anyway, I'm not going to go into crazy. that. Uh, time warps. I watched this really... Well, I didn't watch. I saw like the first 15 minutes of this amazingly awesome, campy... Not that great movie that I actually really enjoyed. Um, called? It, what, I don't know what it was called, but it's a it's a passenger plane, right? Like a Boeing in modern times. They fly over the Bermuda Triangle, and they time travel to, guess when? 2005? Nope. World War II. Oh, good times. And so suddenly they're in the sky when, like, there's air raids happening. <laughs> oh, my god! You have to, like, radio it. We're from 2012! Oh, I was like, this is such Is a- it a comedy? No. Oh, okay, I was like... I'm like, this is such an interesting concept. So, like, you wouldn't expect that. But anyway, uh, this one doesn't sound as crazy. I'd like to see more of the science of this. Uh, but gravitational anomalies. Huh? Gravitational anomalies. So gravity being weird and sinking stuff. Oh. Or messing with... Um, like instruments and direction. And I was like anomalies. It just like it gets gravity gets more intense there. And I, just anomalies could mean anything. Maybe um, it got, got really like light and the ships just flew, just floated. You got ten thousand tons of manganese, so how does it make you float? <laughs> <laughs> the clouds are like, mm, give me that manganese. <laughs> I got a nutrients. The clouds. Uh, and this is my favorite one: sorcery. Oh, so we're going back into the tempest here. Obviously, <laughs> it was the. What's Wingardium Leviosa? Wingardium Leviosa. It was just some, why are we? Why is the, the ship? The Somali lifting? pirates went to Hogwarts. <laughs> Hogwarts. Thanks, Jay. Okay, Look at me. Uh, I am the wizard I now. Am, I am Gandalf now. Not Gandalf. I'm so dumb. I freaking just watched Lord of the Rings. He's still a wizard. It's okay. Yeah, I know. Um, here's one for you. One hypothesis. I'm sorry, folks. I am massaging my eyes right now. I just came back from swim practice not too long ago. And there's too much chlorine in the pool. There's too much chlorine in the pool. It's really hard to keep my eyes open. It's really uncomfortable. I'm crying. Um, One hypothesis is that a pilot, they kind of failed to, you know, account for the agonic line. You ever heard of that? The agonic line. The place at which there's no need to compensate. True north and magnetic north, there is a small strip where it's it's perfectly aligned. There's no need to compensate for magnetic comp. So that's compass variation. Yeah. So that's a rational explanation. So, you know, they're just going through there and the compasses all go nuts and all kinds of, like you said, instruments kind of go wild yeah. and it just is just a pilot malfunction. Mm-hmm. There's that video. I don't know if you've ever seen this, but a pilot's talking about vertigo. You talked about this. There was this. this I've seen videos with people talking about vertigo. So this is like, for those of you who have never flown a plane before, which may be a large majority of our audience. I haven't flown a plane before. Um, there's this thing called vertigo and it's... It's, uh, you can, there's a lot of ways you can get it, but mostly it's like a flying thing. And there's this story. It's not even a story. It's a factual like thing. There's a guy who was from, uh, 
it's from France. I was going to say Germany. It's not Germany. It's from France. And he was a really good pilot. This was just back in like 1960, 1950, like, mm. you know, something like that. And he would fly his plane and he would like, he was a daredevil. He'd do all the stunts and stuff like that. And people thought it was really cool. And he would always treat us, always see how close he could get to the trees mm-hmm. without hitting them. Nice. Because he'd die. Which he did inevitably <laughs> die. I'm sorry. No, that's sad. He, yeah, he would like. It's just one of those things where it's like I'm gonna walk near the edge of this volcano yeah. just because I can. But anyway, he, sounds good. He to did. Me. He did end up, end up crashing, and one of the reasons they say that was the case is because there was a bit of clouds at that point. And even when you do have instruments, pilots who aren't the most experienced, or even ones that are fairly experienced, in clouds. Up might not always feel like up. Oh, that's what they explain in Ender's Game. Yeah, and down might not always feel like down. So a lot of pilots who even who've not crashed but they've experienced this will be flying through clouds. And that's why a lot of the time when you have like a lead pilot in like fighter formation, they say st- you know stay in tight when they go through clouds because the the lead plane probably is the most experienced guy who knows what's happening, mm-hmm. and the other guys are either less experienced or don't know at all what to do. So he's just like yeah. just keep your right wing on my left wing and we'll be fine. Anyway. Just don't crash into me. Please. Yeah, yeah, they can see each other, obviously, but it's just because, for all the instruments you have, you, you still sometimes your perception of up, your brain betrays you. Yeah, and you're like up is up or up is not down or something like that, and you just crash. you're right. Up is not down. Yeah, it's not. It's your no nugget of knowledge. <laughs> da, 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 da. But that's just one of the other things that I read about people with vertigo, and maybe there's just between the clouds or between not having instruments working correctly it's a recipe for disaster nice so i mean yeah <laughs> let's talk about sea farts talk about rogue waves no sea farts oh tell me about those uh massive okay so people <laughs> here's believe the foreshadowing that we talked people about. believe that methane gas uh rises uh <laughs> under the surface of the you know the bermuda triangle <laughs> and these massive like bubbles or like you know, spaces of methane will rise up. And what it does is it it's actually... It's just air, right? Air, tiny air pockets? Isn't that kind of what the gas smelly air pockets. Yeah, yeah, and it's lighter than air. Yeah. Well, it's lighter than water. So what happens yeah. is as these massive, like, clouds or bubbles of methane rise up, it actually pushes water away from the boat. Huh. So all of a sudden, imagine you're on a boat, and then a massive bubble just comes up, and suddenly it's just air on your right side, and you just fall in. Oh. And then you sink. That's tough. Right? I was going to make a joke. You made a, you said how, how methane rises from the bottom and goes up in the ocean. I was going to make a joke about methane in my sheets because I fart a lot. And That's so, why do you think I called it sea farts? I made the joke before <laughs> you did. No, I know, but I was like rises from the bottom of the seafloor, more like rises Great. through the sheets. We definitely needed to know that you fart a lot in your bed. I mean, I mean everybody does. Pretty much to say. You Let's be. move on. <laughs> um, it also can rise into the air, obviously, um, and it affects plane instruments. It just messes with them, right? Because it, it compromises the uh, atmosphere. We're going to stop talking about sea farts now and move on to the next thing. <laughs> oh, no. The, the I dirt, hate you so much The right dirty now. bubble from Spongebob. This one took out the planes. He just floats up. He's like, so long, suckers. <laughs> he gets up. So long, USS Cyclops. <laughs> and your 300 men on board. <laughs> and everyone else who died. Anyway, um, another popular theory that I found. Uh, this is what I thought you were talking about for the missing vessels. This is the more of like... You're talking, you're talking about rogue waves now. Yeah, yeah, about rogue waves. This is more for the boats. Rogue waves are just, I mean, they're not a really a rare thing. They're just massive waves that can reach 
literally over 100 feet, those of our listeners from other places. It's 30.5 meters. Um, and these things, you know... How many centimeters? Yes. Um, <laughs> and these, these rogue waves are more than powerful enough to destroy a ship. Mm-hmm. Like, no issue. I mean, you see those movies like, you know, Life of Pi and all these, like, you know, dramatic movies it. where they have these huge waves that they ride over and stuff like I've that. I've seen it in Assassin's Creed. <laughs> but, okay. And then also in Interstellar. But you know what I mean. Like, those things, yeah. they make them like look A wall so, of water, like a tsunami, yeah. but in the ocean. Yeah, which is totally not what happens a lot of the time. Like even That's why it's during, called a rogue wave. Yeah, even during huge storms, the waves don't get that high, ever. So they're really rare. People sometimes say it's just a tsunami in formation. Sometimes it's just like, it's random things, rogue waves. Mm-hmm. Anyway, they're, they're really, really powerful, and they'd have no issue toppling a ship. None. There'd be no issue. And also, it would probably, because of all the pressure it'd have, destroy mm-hmm. the ship mm-hmm. and have no issue with that. So... Um, the reason that's kind of an interesting thing with the Bermuda Triangle is the fact that it's located in an area in the Atlantic where storms from multiple directions converge, making roadways more lightly because of different wind nice. currents and temperatures and stuff all mixing together. Recipe for disaster. I have something cooler. <laughs> Tell me. Bro, okay. So you can find this on the Science Channel. There are, I don't know how to say this word. I've heard it both ways. Hexagonal or hexagonal. Um, yes. So six side clouds with perfectly straight edges that are as large as 20 to 55, 55 miles across. Aliens. Right? And you see it in the clouds, uh, like from the satellites. I've seen the pictures. It's absolutely insane. You just watched Chicken Go look Little, it up. didn't you? Okay. <laughs> They're found at the western end of the Bermuda Triangle, like with um, Florida. Yeah. Right? Yes. Okay. Um, but do you know... What's so cool about these hexagonal clouds? They stole them from They're called Chicken freaking Little. air bombs, dude. Oh. Because suddenly they send down, <laughs> under under that space, that cloud, oh you know, it sends down air, just air blasts. <laughs> air bombs. Over 100 miles per hour. Oh. <laughs> and it causes waves over 45 feet tall. So I know that's not a big rogue wave, but it's freaking air just... Yeah. Blasting down and destroying everything, and just it spreads outwards. I think the the it spreads outwards over the sea at like 170 miles, 175 miles per hour, something like that. Just how do they know? How do they know? Because um, some guys out there like no, no, no. no. There is a satellite that they use that measures um, stuff under clouds, and it's able to look at like wind speed. Uh, and stuff like that. And, and they're like, wow, these clouds are really trying to go hard here. It's it's super <laughs> weird. It's another um, phenomena in nature. I've never once heard of that. Yep. Science I channel. I boom. thought you were making a joke about Chicken Little and how when the sky no. falls, all the pieces are hexagonal, hexagonal pieces. No, this is this is actually like super serious. No, I'll like, have to look that up. Because I've heard of rogue waves. I've never heard of the sky yelling at you bombs. <laughs> sky yelling at you other than because it's not like a, it doesn't look like a storm because it's clouds and then it just looks like perfect cookie cutter hexagons is it in just the a casual weather is it storming weather or is it just dude random? the ones that i saw were just like white clouds white fluffy clouds that's not fair because i get scared when i see cumul cumulonimbus clouds it's a cumulonimbus 2000 but na- <laughs> sure harry um but 
now I'm going to be looking at the, sc- <laughs> at the sky for shapes of kids' games and be like, is that a triangle I see or a hexagon? Look it up. No, seriously, look it up. It's <laughs> it super, like it's staying, super interesting. I'm staying inside today, um, kids. <laughs> okay, I'll let you do the next one. You go for it. Okay. Because I accidentally just w- logged out of this thing. Nice. Well, on. here's a short one. It doesn't Sorry. need much explanation. Whirlpools. That just suck in chips, you know, That's stuff rough. like that. That's rough. Uh, you know, at what Dead Man, uh, at, what is it? The Pirates of the Caribbean movie where they're all going into a massive hole in the ocean. Um, and then also, I brought up magnetic fields earlier, and some people speculate that there are magnetic fields fields that compromise the necessary measurements for compasses and other navigation tools to work. Wouldn't that be something you could easily test? Maybe, but if you went out and did it, you'd probably go missing. So. <laughs> it's like somebody did last week. We haven't seen him yet. So if it if it leaves no survivors, how can you ever tell what goes on there? I mean, just send a lot of people to watch the person in front of them, and everybody will be able to tell what happens. You know, I think they should use that satellite and send out a boat and just watch it and just watch the boat. I mean, and if fun. it just goes missing, like all of a sudden they'll be like, oh, okay, well this is weird. Have you ever sent some? This is a really dumb question. Have we ever sent submarines there? Because I'd be really curious Dude, I have no to idea. know. Uh, there are like crazy currents there and massive trenches. Um, it's near one of the deepest parts of the ocean, Mariana Trench, right? Isn't that in Australia? The Mariana I, Trench? Mariana Trench? Isn't I have no idea where that is, actually. Looking it Pacific, up! Where is the Mariana Trench? The map is loading. Anyway, uh, but that would be super interesting to send something out there and just watch it because, you know, uh, you don't need communication Boy, to look at that. It's near it's in the Philippine Sea. Okay, well, what is that close to? Australia. Oh, seriously? <laughs> yeah, it's north of Australia, south of Japan. Oh, <laughs> Wait, what? You gave me the weirdest look. And okay, I was like, no, because when I saw it on the map, that also, for some reason, oh, that kind of looked like North America. No, yeah, the map that Jack is showing me is the one where, like, you know, when you look at a map nowadays, you usually the North America's on the left. Or in, in the this middle. map, it's totally shifted it, the other yeah, way. Yeah, it's, it's Europe no, and I get then you, Australia. Yeah. And it kind of looks like, it's got the same curvature, too, <laughs> it does, yeah. of North America You gave me the weirdest America. look, and I was like, boy, my fifth grade teacher did not lie to me about that. I remember. Anyway, but there are super deep parts and uh-huh. crazy currents, so it could mess up It is the deepest stuff. part of the ocean, if I remember correctly. Mariana Trench, yeah, I'm talking yeah, about Bermuda yeah. Triangle again. Oh, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. I was like, hold up, wait a minute. So, yeah, you don't need you don't need communications for a freaking camera. It's just the camera has to work, and I'm pretty sure the methane isn't going to rise to, like, the space station <laughs> or the satellite Boy. and be like, I'm about to wreck this whole dude's career. <laughs> I'm about to end this whole man's career. <laughs> yeah, that's the one. That's the one. <laughs> no, I... Uh... I don't know. I, that, that's something that would be really interesting. I would never do it myself, but I dare someone to go into a submarine and go look. Yo, Jerry, do it. Heck no. Double dog dare you. Man, you got me. Triple dog <laughs> donut dare you. Then they have to do it. Oh, man. <laughs> um, so there's this There's this other theory that I've, I've, I found. I didn't really want to include it because I thought it was kind of weird. What but is, pff, it's well, it's just it's one of those things where I'm like, is this legit or not? But then I looked it up a little bit. It's include kind of it. Why not, man? It's called the I'm gonna say this wrong. The saw the Sargasso Sea. Oh, I saw that. The Sargasso. I didn't, I didn't write it down. The, yeah, the Sargasso Sea is an area within the Bermuda Triangle that has no shores, but bounded by ocean currents on all sides. This has been the trap of many sailing vessels in the past. 
Many sailing boats and ships, you know, just doing their thing, are believed to have become completely motionless while passing through this area and later found in derelict conditions. The soul on them, dense seaweed on dense seaweed on water surface and exceptionally slow winds have been the main cause for vessels yeah. be motionless. Um, it's kind of like, so they just get stuck because of currents, like they can't move. Yeah, it's like a dead um, zone. In the so water. I know how frustrating that is, mm-hmm. except when I went over that, when I went through that, I was in a tiny inflatable kayak mm. uh, in Moab, Utah, and we got into a, what, was, what is it called? What is it called? When there's a lot of little like whirlpools. Rapids? No, 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 that's, no, no, that's, no, no, no that's why no, no, water. No. I guess. There's another name for it, though. Um, and you can get stuck in it because you just – it's just whirlpools, little tiny freaking currents because of rocks right underneath the surface. Oh, I know what you're talking about, but yeah. I have not a clue what it's, it's in like It's in like rivers. Yeah, yeah. Stuff like that because the water is passing over. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's impossible to go through. So our whole group is ahead of us, right? And we – they warn us, you know, this is going to be really hard to go through. And so this kid and I are like paddling as hard as we can. And he just gives up. He's like, no. Nah turn around i'm like what what are you doing he's like we're not gonna make it through i'm like so you'd rather just sit here and die (laughs) and just go nowhere you do realize there's no alternative to this right we are stuck unless we do something like a lake or something a river we were in the moab oh right 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 i was in the tiny where this could possibly i gotta find the name for this man but it was so freaking frustrating because he didn't want to try and so i was doing it by myself i'm like they're not going to come back and get us. No, that'd be super. Because then they're going the opposite way of the river. That's not a thing. Yeah. Um, for those who don't, who still are kind of confused on what we're talking about exactly with, you Did know, you find the name? No, okay. no. I'm talking about the, the topic I'm talking about. I'll let you do for that one. Um, with this kind of whole ocean currents and stopping kind of thing, no matter where you go in the ocean, you know, except for what we're talking about, there are currents. There are currents that go around you know, Cape Town in South in, uh, in in Southern Africa, and they swish up into the Atlantic towards you know um, the UK and stuff like that. And so you can very easily ride ocean currents and wind and get from one place to another mm-hmm. because it usually happens. But there's this random place in the Bermuda Triangle where there is nothing around it, and it just is like a dead zone for waves and dead zone for for basically travel. Like you get into it and your boats just stop. Yeah. Because for some reason there's no the wind flow isn't the wind isn't strong enough and there's no ocean currents. And then there's seaweed, which just I mean, seaweed is, you know, everywhere, but there's mm-hmm. very thick seaweed on the surface of the water here and it just kinda gets in your boat and slows it down even more. So even though even if there was a slight wind, there was no way you're gonna go. And you're in the middle of like the Atlantic at this point, and so there's not really anywhere you can go. And so that's one of the other I think it's theories. called an eddy. An eddy. An eddy. Water moving back upstream caused by a rock or obstacle of some sort. Huh. They're called eddies. Yeah, that's what they are. So it's just a bunch of eddies in one spot. So uh, the current's moving forward, but the freaking rocks underneath are causing it to just go backwards. So you're just stuck. <laughs> it's huh. great. I had that's, to look up river rafting terms. That's kind of intense, though. I've always like heard of those, but I didn't realize like how specific they were they suck they if do. you're in a kayak with two people i'm waiting for you to drop his name but i appreciate you're not doing dallin <laughs> if this you was, watch this this was like this was so long ago though we were like kids and freaking boy scouts for, it was for like a boy scout trip 
<laughs> anyway, I don't even know his last name. He's my cousin's like best friend. No, you're good. Anyway, like the biggest thing, like there's so many theories out there. It's one of those things where it's just going to draw more and more attention as time goes by because people, you know, are always intrigued by it. Yep. But whether you believe it or not, you can't deny the fact that stuff happens in the last, yeah, in the last like couple ter- centuries, 20, 30 years. Not much has happened with the Bermuda Triangle. Now, this can be because we have better technology or because it was nonsense. Maybe she got bored. <laughs> the Devil's Triangle got bored. I don't want to kill any more people. we got better ways to do that now. I have a reputation to preserve. <laughs> I don't know why that was so... I don't, I don't know, know. Why. I say random stuff. I don't know why you I know thought me. the devil sounded like that. <laughs> I have a reputation. I can't. Kermit the Frog. I've, it's, turned, it's, I've turned around. You know, this is kind of a nice refreshing episode because it was so dark and just <laughs> and chilling last week. What are we talking about? Oh yeah, tombs and catacombs. We got the chills like four or five, four times. Or five times. <laughs> I love just joking about stuff, you know. And now we're talking just... about other people's losses. <laughs> and now we're you having... know, like over a thousand people just dying at sea. And in one we're spot. having a more lighthearted episode about people dying at sea. Yes, because it's better than six million dead people thrown into pits. Yeah. I don't know if it's better, but it's... <laughs> I don't know if it's better, it's but funnier. it's definitely... What? No. Okay. Um, I guess the only last thing I just want to add is just like... You heard about the the, Hutching, the Hutchinson effect? Oh, yeah. Josh Hutchinson. He was in Hunger Games. <laughs> <laughs> you said that so fast. And I almost wonder if you had waited for me to say this the whole time. No, really. I was like, Hutchinson. Josh Hutchinson. Yeah. Really quick Pizza word Menach. No, it's the, the electric fog is the Hutchinson effect. Sounds like a pretty cool band name. <laughs> the Hutchinson effect? <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, the, I know, fog. electric fog. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to read this and my <laughs> eyes won't let me. I'm so sorry, folks. You want me to read it? That's why I'm struggling so hard. Yeah, your you your hands are soaked with your tears. Bro, I'm, I'm... Am I reading this part right here? Yes. Okay, electronic fog, fun. colon, a Hutchinson effect. <laughs> Don't say it like that. <laughs> It has been heard several times that ships and aircraft get engulfed in some kind of electric fog, and the fog keeps moving along with the ship or the plane. And eventually, it's so funny to watch you right now, man. You just you're crying. I'm and dying. eventually, all the electronic equipment and other instruments start malfunctioning. Then the ships and airplanes either disintegrate or disappear without it. Why are you still laughing? Without a trace. Vancouver-based scientist Josh Hutchinson. What? No, oh, stop! John. You're lying. John Hutchinson. <laughs> Bro, to be like, give me the phone back. <laughs> it says John Hutchinson. I read his Josh for a sec. I was one letter off. You're like, dang, Peter gets around. Dude. Oh my god! Oh. Through his experiments, has shown occurrence of electric fog that causes some strange phenomena. I thought it was a Josh Hutchinson. I swear. Can we please name the episode Josh Hutchinson effect? No. I'm just Oh my gosh. Uh, I'm sorry, folks. <laughs> that, this episode has been really painful for me. High waves and the Hutchison effect. <laughs> um, I had really bad water time today. The pool was way too chlorinated. So that's why I've been struggling so much this episode because every time I'm, trying, I'm told to read something, I look at Jack and say, You go. Because You're chugging along like a champ. Because my eyes decide to say, You know what? No, we're not going to work right now. <laughs> anyway, so thank you for reading about the Josh Hutchinson effect. <laughs> Oh my god! That was just something interesting I saw as well. I was like electric fog, and I was like, "This sounds like something out of a sci-fi." But no, it's a legit thing. Yeah, I mean, there are electric storms that we know about. I mean, it's called lightning, but there's other things about it. Oh man, this episode is gonna be like a humorous one, not like a really intense one. It's okay. A lot of people told me they wanted a more lighthearted episode because two, 
dark and demonic ones in a yeah. row <laughs> would not be good. Anyway. Is, is that everything? Is that all we got? I was just going I, through my phone to I, find the outro. I'm scared script. to even look at something because my eyes keep dying. All right. Well, I'll just close this off then. Wait. <laughs> Fine. Ask me. What is your Noah nugget of knowledge today, Noah? It is literally impossible for you to hum while you hold your nose. I knew that. Your mouth just inflates. Mm-hmm. And for everyone who's trying right now, you look ridiculous. <laughs> and that's your known as you do it. <laughs> and that's your NNN because there's no K in knowledge. Thank you. Nice. Okay. It has an N in it too. I'm just kidding. The Noah Nugget of Knowledge. Stop! <laughs> Let me close out the episode. I'm high in chlorine, dude. This is bad. Stop. Okay. <laughs> I can't wait to see you play video games later. <laughs> you can find Studies in Shadow on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and SoundCloud. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Username Studies in Shadow. Visit our new website. It's going to look better every single week. It literally will. <laughs> Studiesinshadow.com. For all inquiries, you can send a message at studiesinshadow at gmail.com, or you can send us a message on our Facebook or Twitter. Music composed and produced by Jack Rogers and Matthew Gonzalez. This has been Studies in Shadow. Stay safe and don't sink. <laughs>